0: And welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. And we have a very interesting show tonight. We have Julie Olson coming up. She had a 1982 encounter we're going to be talking about. And she actually has some uh, debris. We're going to be talking about that. She's she's going to be able to show that. And I have pictures of that as well. Just uh, want to get something out of the way. A sad thing. uh, We lost a great uh, contributor to the UFO world. And that's Robbie Graham. Uh, he passed away a couple of days ago, unfortunately. So uh, if you have not heard that, I wanted to uh, let people know, listeners know, he was a, a past guest on this show and will be missed in this world of UFOs. So um, this week, our blog by Charles Lear is uh, UFO Abduction Research Under the Scrutiny of at Harvard. And this is about John Mack, of course. And uh, it's another great blog. Again, these are made into audio blogs that go out on our podcast feed or they actually go out um, as uh, a video on YouTube as well. So I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. And without further ado, I'm bringing in our guests. By the way, I do want to thank everyone that helps out with the show. I do appreciate that. And here we go. Welcome to the show, Julie.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And I got to say this... Uh, it, you can't help but see what a beautiful, uh, uh property you have, uh, behind you. You can see, right away. I, I feel like I'm in snow country. And, yes. uh, and then I saw you do have like two feet of snow coming your way. Right. Or is it snowing right now?
1: Just very lightly coming down. So Just, we're not going to get as much as the cities. Like they're yeah. supposed to get like 26 and I think we only got six so far. So oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's good. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm not in snow country right now and I'm not really missing it. So, but I, uh, you know, I, uh, I may someday, but, um, but right now I don't think I'm going to miss snow for a while.
1: (laughs) Um, I I like the winter, but I'm ready for spring and summer now. Bonfires. I'm yeah, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Right. So I, I had, uh, one of my listeners, uh, mentioned you, uh, and I, I tracked it down and listened to an interview um with you and thought you had a very interesting story not only that but it continues on um you you know so I'd like for you if you would let's start out by you telling of the story as it happened back in 1982 if you would
1: sure uh 1982 I was well I just turned 18 November 26 I still lived at home and I lived in a, uh, a real rural area of Minnesota. Um, a lot of people probably watching are familiar with Minnesota, but uh, I lived in a pretty rural area, Stillwater, Montemegi. Willerney is just a little town. It was um, like the population when I was 18 was 400, you know, from what I wow. think it the back. To, yeah, it was very small. Uh, and i lived in a house that was built in 1900 a real old home and we had ponds that surrounded our house and then on the right side of our house we had a uh, the backwaters of a lake called washington lake and i i will go right into the in the what my mother and i and my stepfather witnessed and it was february 10th of 1982 and again i was 18 years old and uh, my parents were actually going through a divorce at this time and Roland, um, my, oh, let's, we'll just call him Roland. I, my stepfather, anyway, he had, uh, the, he had about another week to be in the house before he had actually leave when the divorce would be final. So anyway, my mother and I, um, and I'm from a family of, I have, uh, three brothers and two sisters and I'm the middle child. And, um, the February 10th of 1982, my um, my I my, we had a four-bedroom house, and my bedroom was in the hallway. So I I didn't have a bedroom. I, I slept out in the hallway on the little bed. I didn't have a dresser or anything. But my sisters were gone, and I got to sleep in their room that night, and my parents were going through a divorce, and my mother and I slept in a room that neither one of us have ever slept in, and that, to me, too, was like a sign from when I what uh, I'm about to tell you so anyway it was about uh midnight and in the bedroom so the bed was up against the wall and there was two windows and I wasn't facing the windows and neither was my mother and it was around midnight and you know like if somebody came into a room and turned on a light you would know that right you're like oh you know somebody just light switch that's what I thought um, cause we, I think we went up to bed about like 10, 1030, somewhere around there. So, but anyway, I thought someone turned on a light switch to, and I opened my eyes and the whole room was neon lime green, not like a, just a beam coming in. The whole room was lit up green and it was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? I mean, I knew it wasn't a car going by or, and again, I'm in a very rural area. So I turned. And I kneeled on the bed and I looked out the window and our house was on a little hill. I mean, not not a big hill, but just like a little hill. And on the bottom of the hill, we had a street light in our yard. And so when I'm looking out the window, you know, kneeling on the bed, I can see a long cigar-shaped object about 40 feet long hovering. So like um, down below where the hill is and the street light, if you would add one more street light on there, that's about how low this was. Hmm. So, and I, I didn't have to say anything to my mother because I just kind of like gave her a little nudge, you know. And my mother got up and she uh, walked to the edge of the bed and she looked out the window. And I now I'm kneeling on the bed, looking out the window at this 40 foot long, long lime green c- cigar light just hovering. And I mean, it, it wasn't just like this. I mean, it had like a little bit of a bounce to it. And my mother's standing there and she looks out the window. And her first words, and this is even in the newspaper, her first words were, oh my God, Julie, it's the second coming of the Lord, because it was so majestic. It was so beautiful. Was it scary? It, it, there were so many emotions in, in in just looking at it. You didn't, you were froze. You you were were you scared? No, I mean there was just so many things, but that's what she thought, and we just stared at it. Mm-hmm. So as as we're staring at this, then all of a sudden it lowers. Now it's lowered, lowered um below the street light, and it's about like six feet off the ground. And again, we're upstairs, we're looking out a second floor bedroom window facing the street light, facing this whole object. So we we can see that this we're watching it drop down. Then we watched it shoot up, and as it shot shot out, well, first I'm going to tell you about this light the line green light, like I looked inside there and this wasn't a blinding light. Like you could look at the light; You didn't have to go like, oh my gosh, yes, it was bright, but you could look at it and it didn't hurt your eyes. Mm -hmm. And within the light, within the cigar shaped light, I looked inside there to see if I could see anything. um, Like if there was any movement in there, if there was anything dark in there, I couldn't, it was just one solid light. And so as this lowered and then lifted, it shot, you're not going to believe this, but this is exactly what happened. It shot down fireballs. Like all these fireballs came out uh, from like the craft. Um, they didn't come straight down. They came out at like, at the on, out of the sides because mm-hmm. the way they came down. And so they, and they had a tail on them, but they, they shot down and you got to remember this is February 10th. This is Willerney, Minnesota and even in my um, uh, we had a lot of snow. This is me and my mother, but we had about two feet of snow, and this is one of the pieces here that, yeah, that yeah. um, that shot down that wasn't disturbed, but anyway, so this is the next morning, but let's get back to the night when. When this lifted and shot down those fireballs, they sh- they went all over into like the snowbanks across the road and everything. And now they're glowing. There's these glowing embers all over. And after that lifted, it shot off at like an 80 degree angle within one, two, three seconds. It was gone. So now we're, I wish I was outside, but now we're just s- still looking out the window. This is gone and we can see all these embers burning in the snowbanks across the street, in our yard, and they stayed glowing for at least 15, 20 seconds. And mm. Rollin, I was telling you, my parents were going through a divorce, so he was downstairs and we could, we could hear him yelling, June, get down here, there's a UFO, June. He's just down there screaming because he was watching it below us. We we're in the uh, upstairs and below us, he was watching it from the patio window. So he's standing below us, looking out the patio window. We're seeing the same things, but we're up here and he's down here. So mm. anyway, so we watched this burn out and then uh, we ran downstairs and I got on a jacket and I wanted to know what that was that what, that was out there. So I went out and Roland did tell me, he said, Julie, I think you should get back in here because we don't know if they're radioactive. So, yeah. But I, I just wanted to get out there and take a peek. And I did get close to one, but I mean, it was already burnt out, you know, but you could see, and again, this is probably, you know, like 1230 now, you know, 1220, whatever. So we had to wait for morning, you know, to come for things to get brighter so we could go out there. So yeah, that night, none of us went to bed. My mom called her sisters. We called the police. We called the neighbors. I mean, it was really something to see. So what
0: happened when you, what happened when you called the police?
1: I actually just, um, when I was writing my book too, I did call the Washington County Police Department and see if they had any archive or anything like that because um, our road got roped off and I don't, I, I, this is, you know, this was 1982 and, you know, it's 39, 40 years ago, but I can't remember who roped off our road the next morning. Like you couldn't, they blocked off the road so you couldn't drive that, you know, drive through it. But you could go around our house. We had a side road, and you could use that road. So I don't know if it was Robert Engberg from Kufos that roped off the road. I don't know if it was the police department. I just can't recall that. And I wish I, I wish I could tell you who roped it off, but it did get, you know, blocked off.
0: Did they did they come out that night though to talk to anyone, or, or did they actually physically come to the house? Of the police I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, they didn't come to the house till, um, uh, my mom, well, this happened around midnight and I think they came, it was like about five, six in the morning that they came to the house. But again, yeah. oh. I tried to get a report on that and it just, they just, it, there just wasn't one. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but then, um, uh, the next day, um, Robert Engberg from Kufos came to our house and he we actually gave him a piece and also the University of Minnesota came to our house and they took two pieces and they were going to analyze it. In fact, that's in the paper. Um, did, did you have that article that I gave you about that? This right? Um, no, that's it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: okay. uh,
1: yeah. Oh, and on here also it says downstairs Ron, Julie's brother, had also seen the fire, you know, the fireballs. It mm-hmm. wasn't my, my father's name was... Uh, Roland. So that was supposed to be downstairs, Ron. It should have said Roland Julie's father. So but that that's just a error there. That's not a Yeah. deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, the University of Minnesota took some pieces and then they couldn't analyze it. So they the University of Minnesota sent the pieces off to KUFOs in Chicago, Illinois. Yes, mm-hmm. that that piece there that you're showing that's the one that Robert Engberg from KUFOs and MUFON, he worked for both of them. He took that one from my mother and I and he was going to have it analyzed. And unfortunately, we never heard from him again. We never heard from like the University of Minnesota sent the two pictures or the two um, pieces that they couldn't identify. They sent those to KUFOs. We never heard back from KUFOs. It was like our pieces just were gone. Um my mother also wrote a letter to uh KUFOs, Center for UFO Studies. It was what KUFOs.
0: Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. UFO studies. But my mother wrote a letter uh to them. So this happened in February 10th, 1982, and my mother wrote a letter to them. Um, right here.
0: Oh, let me Hang oh, we on. Can't see there you it, go. Yeah. go ahead.
1: Yeah, this yeah. is the original letter. She wrote to them and um March of 1982, pleading with them, and I have this in my book, you know, to, you know, to whom it may concern, you know, where are the pieces that we, that were sent to you from the University of Minnesota, you know, where's Robert Engberg, um, you know, and as God is my witness, this is what me and my daughter seen, and I mean, I could read her letter to No, you.
0: that's okay. It's yeah. in my book. Yeah. So
1: anyway, um, they never responded even in March of 1982. It was just like okay, so all this happened, it was so exciting, it was so majestic, it was so mind-blowing, and here we're entrusting our pieces to people, you know, such as Mufan, KUFOs, whatever, and we just don't hear from anybody, and then the story just kind of slowly fizzled out.
0: Now, before we go on from this point here, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you a couple things. Um, sure. What What was the reaction... Like locally, was this in the papers besides that? Did it go more broadly or was it just, did it stay re- like a regional story? Do you know?
1: Uh, earlier that evening, there was sightings on Bald Eagle Lake that they saw this lime green cigar shaped light too. And mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, you know, now that my book is out, my book just came out September of 2022. Now the neighbors, like people that I, um, I just went down to my town uh, Will and I stopped in at the, um, to talk to a few of the locals and there, there's so many people that are coming up to me and saying, Julie, I remembered when this happened and I seen this and, you know, and your story's true and, and this and that. And then, um, uh, a lady yesterday, uh, she's a realtor. My, my oldest daughter works for e Realty and she's a realtor and her friend, um, I'll just say her name Pam but I'm not going to say her last name but she just reached out to me and she, I'm 59 and Pam is 61 and she just I actually talked to her yesterday and this morning and she said that she said her, she read my book it's it's mind blowing and that her and her husband witnessed she said there's something about the Willerney area because there was a lot of UFO uh sightings and stories and uh her and her husband actually seen one very close. It was V-shaped and it was like in 1978 or 79. So she was telling me about that too. So I'm just, have, I'm talking to people now that have like, you know, are sharing things with me. So, and I think if this story would have, what happened with me and my mother, you know, at our house in my little town of Willerney, 1982, I think if this happened today, the news would be all over it. I mean, it would be get so much more attention, but back then, yeah, I got teased you know, like, oh yeah, Julie Olsen saw a UFO or, you know, um, there was whispers, there was this and that, but it didn't matter to me because I know what I've seen and I actually have pieces of it. So, and then um, in my book too, uh, Angie, and I'll leave her name, last name out of it, but she's in my book. She wrote, she, um, she was coming home from work after midnight also, and she lives right behind me back then. And she had to pull her car over And they were right by her car. And she says there was two of them. So, But she pulled her car over and she said that um, she watched as the, it almost looked like the woods were going to be on fire. Because when this craft rose and it shot out those fireballs, you could see the horizon from the trees. And it looked like there was going to be a massive fire. And I always ask myself too sometimes, what if this would have happened in the summer? Because I'm around, you know, all those ponds and, you know, if if those fireballs shot down in the summer, there would have been a fire, but this was winter, mm. you know, and it, it, it burned those holes, those rings, like four or five inches deep into the snow. That's how hot those were.
0: Wow. So
1: you, yeah. I mean, this was a huge display. This was the silhouette of this. You wouldn't even believe. You would, you would swear. Yeah. There's, that's one we left undisturbed because. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my idea. I told my mother, I said, because she was going to scoop it up. And how we got these things out of the snow, we, we had two wood stoves. that he, That's how we heated our house. You know, mm-hmm. we were old school, and we just burned wood to heat the house. And so we took two of the shovels from the wood stove fireplaces, and we went out and scooped those up, and we put them on a plate. And I don't know if you have that
0: picture, too. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah, let me look through Uh, We have these pictures here, but you actually have the objects, or you have one of the objects that you were able to retrieve. And I want to, of course, we're going to be talking about that as well. Uh, You have what I'm showing here, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, why don't you, if you don't mind, why don't you uh, actually hold it up to the camera?
1: I will do that, but I want to tell you something about this piece. So this was our full and past intact piece, right? And this mm-hmm. is the one that we entrusted Robert with and it yep. works with KUFOs and Mufan. This is all documented. And um, so when Robert took this and said he was going to have it analyzed. And I remember when I was 18, this is the box he put it in. And it even says his name on it, Robert Amberg
0: mm-hmm. right? Yep.
1: This is the box. So, and so... Robert takes this in 1982. We don't see him. Remember I told you my mother wrote the letter to Kufos? Yeah. Kufos? yeah. Um, and when Mufan, how this whole story got rekindled is Mufan wrote me a letter December of 2019. I, I get it in my mail. And they said, are you the girl from 1982 that witnessed this sighting? And I said I am that girl, and I reached out to move on. And then I was telling them that my um, we never did get any of our pieces back, um, and they were never tested. It just like the whole story just just fizzled out. So they said, "Well, let me check into Kufos and write them a letter and see if they have your pieces or any record of it, uh, any of this." So a letter was writ- written to Kufos, <clears throat> and then we got the letter back. And, or they got a response and they, they said, we do not have any record of getting any pieces from the university of Minnesota or anything. However, we do have your mother's letter on file from 1982. Why would they have my mother's letter on file, but not have any of our pieces? Right. Right. So mm-hmm. on that letter, and they got a, a copy of that letter and they Mufon sent that to me. And that's how I found out. I'm like, that was it. Cause I couldn't remember this guy's name, Robert Engberg. I met him one time, but his letter was um, on, or his name was on my mother's letter because on the bottom of it. And that's how I found his name. And I, it took me like three months to find him. And I finally found, I tracked Robert down and I said, I need my piece back. I said, you know, what happened? And I told him I was dealing with Jacques Vallée and Paula Harris. And he's like, how do you know them? Well, just a long story. Anyway, Robert found my piece and we met June of 2021 in Mora at a uh, diner. And he gave me back my piece. He apologized to me. And he even gave me a letter of transmittal. And um, I have that right here. This is all in my book saying that he re- re, uh, returned the piece back to me since, from, since 1982. So, Here's his proof, their letter of transmittal transfer that he gave it back to me. So at the diner, when he pulled this box out and I was sitting there and he took the uh, cap out, you know, the box top off and he set it right in front of me. I started crying because I have not seen this piece for 39 years. And to me, this was like a human connection. I, I say what you want. I literally sobbed over this piece. It was gone from me for that long. It's something my, my mother and I witnessed together. It was a, uh, uh, it was so miraculous, and I got this back. And to me, that this is just, you can't, you can't replace this ever. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's how I got that piece back. And I will show you. I'm going to put a glove on here. I'll show you what it looks like. And, um, Martin, I told yes. you that mm-hmm. it's growing. It's growing. It's been in this box for 40 years, and it's growing some type of silver metallic. I shouldn't even be touching it. Yeah. But do do you yeah, see? I, I do
0: see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: it, and it doesn't have now, a smell you, or anything.
0: It wasn't like stored in somewhere damp or anything like that that you're nope. aware of. Yeah. Nope.
1: And he yeah he had it in a safe. Um.
0: So let me ask you. Let me ask as you're showing this piece. Yeah. Um. Did he say anything about any analysis of the whatever the material is?
1: Basically, he apologized to me. He said he never had it tested. And basically, he said, basically, I mean, he didn't come out and say it, but he kind of like being selfish, he was just going to keep it for himself. And I, oh. I I told him, hey, I get it, you know, whatever. Um, but at least now I've got this back. And he apologized and we became friends. We talked for oh my gosh, I talked to him at least a few times a week, you know, and he was really happy that I had it back. And then unfortunately, to tell you this, I got this back in June. And then three months later, Robert passed away. He died of a sudden heart attack. So that was really sad. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But, that but here, was, uh, amazing that your timing was prior to that. Oh, I There got it this. is right there. No, uh, your gloves...
1: Yeah, my gloves are camouflaging it. I gotta yes. ta- I couldn't find a rubber glove, and I gotta get some more. But I'll just have to wash my hands. I gotta be okay. very delicate with this.
0: Yeah. So there it is, right there. Turn it, turn it right around. Keep turning it right around. Uh, and it it shows. You can obviously see that it was, you know, burned. Looks like it was burned from the inside. And uh, those of you who are listening to this in audio only, I will have uh, pictures of this. But the video itself um, on YouTube and Facebook, et cetera, does show her handling this piece. Uh, but you will see pictures in the show notes if you just follow that. So there it is. And uh, what um, what are the plans with this material at this point?
1: Well, it's not going to be anything uh, cheap to get tested. You know what I mean? i has heard to- that. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've heard it could be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because it just has to go through the test. And I may hold the holy grail, you know, and I'm the type of person, yeah, I have a connection with this because it was gone off uh, all those years for me. And to me, it has sentimental uh, value to it. But I would also I would like the world to know what this is and I would be willing to put it into a, um, a university or I mean, I would like the world to know what this is, and I would be willing to give that up to just so people could learn or know what this is. You know, maybe it's from the government. We don't know. I don't know what this is.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I'd like to suggest, and we can do this offline. But I mean, I know, uh, for instance, Gary Nolan is not a metallur- metallurgist. He's not, but he's he's a scientist with with connections and someone that you can absolutely trust. And I think that that would be I mean, I can again, I can talk to this offline, but I connect you two together. And I think that might be a way to get this at least the ball rolling on this, um, because I understand you're you're correct in your assumption that it's very expensive. And um, I know that that stops a lot of people from doing a lot of things similar. But this, uh, like you said, if this is the holy grail, if this actually you saw this actually come out of a very strange unknown object, then I really think that uh, the world needs to to know uh, at at least if this is something off planet or, you know, maybe it's something that, like you said, maybe it's something that can be explained in some experimental, it'd be hard to imagine the 1982 experimental thing that could do exactly what you're discussing. Mm -hmm. But did you hear any types of noise at all? Mm -hmm. Any humming, anything at all?
1: No, it's winter our you know our windows are closed you know it's yeah. winter um but I didn't hear a thing and even Angie she said that when she pulled her car over she had her window down just a little bit she said she didn't hear i mean there we, there was no noise to this yeah Well, so, and yeah. then um i had many neighbors that seen this mr steiner mrs mahoney and of course they're all passed away because they were elderly you know then but i mean there there was a half a dozen witnesses so i mean and then my mother and i and roland and yeah so and uh,
0: here's uh, I'm gonna ask a couple of questions that have popped up. Um, and if anyone would like to ask uh, oh, any questions, uh, please do put them in caps. Um, so did all the objects look very similar to this?
1: Yes, um, this one is intact. it's whole and what do I say by that? it's it's whole. it's it's not broken. I mean it's it's intact. The other pieces are black, black, black charred, but you can tell that they're round. And that they're um, they got so hot that they they literally did not have the shape of a circle. I mean, they're you can tell that they were so hot they like almost broke. So right. they're like half half round pieces, and they're literally black and charred all the way through, inside and out.
0: So it looked uh, from the looks of things when these things shot down into the snow, it looked like whatever it was was like burning up. Do I have that right?
1: The light itself didn't burn up. I mean, it was nothing like that. It just, the fire came from underneath. But remember, I told you how it first hovered and then it went down really low, about six feet off the ground? That's, and then when it lifted back up, it kind of did a little like a bounce, just like that. But then it shot up fast. And then all of a sudden, these, I mean, how can a green, a lime green light, solid light, shoot out fireballs. And I'm talking, these fireballs were big and they had a tail on them. I'm telling you they were round and they had a tail and they came down so hard and they hit the snow all over. And these are the embers that were left burning. So. Yeah.
0: And, and I did see other pictures. I was trying to find them. I don't have them. You may have one right there um, of the ones that were in pieces. Do you have a picture of those?
1: Oh uh, yes. I think I have it on the
0: And but they were all, it seems like they're all all parts and pieces of something very similar,
1: right? Um, do you see this picture? That is my mother. But see how much snow we had? That's I took a picture of my mother. She was outside with a shovel in her hand and she was looking for pieces, you know, that were burning on the side of the road. We were looking for debris the next morning, yeah. So that just goes to show how much snow we had.
0: And And yes, you said it looked like five or so that were. there's the plates, right? The plate with them right there. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. They are.
0: So you're saying there were like five of them or so. Did you retrieve all five of what you saw shoot Indeed. down or not?
1: We got, yes, we got it. We probably, on this plate, we had more. But the University of Minnesota, um, I can't, and I can't remember. Did we give them two? Did we give them one? I can't remember. And then we, then. Um, Robert had this one, but I, I, I want to tell you something too, that, and I don't understand. Have you ever, the, you, okay. They say that men in black come around after something like this happens, right? Okay. Yeah. So Paula, Desta, they said, Julie, why didn't you put that in your book? I said, because I don't, I don't recall. Okay. Two or three days after this happened two guys showed up at our door and they had the long coats on and they had those rubber shoes, you know, that you zip to put your, yeah. yeah. And chiseled faces. I mean, sunglasses knocked on our door. My mother let them in. And the story is my mom's sister who's still alive today. In fact, she just published a book herself, not on the UFO, just something else. But these guys were led into our house and they did an interview with my mother, with me and my stepfather, I remember these guys, and I remember them coming to the door, and I remember them coming in, but I don't remember the interview, and I can't, no matter how much I've tried to lay down and think about it, I can't remember the interview that they talked to us all separate, so I never wrote that, put that part in my book. But I think it's something very important, and, um, but my mom's sister, uh, Clarine, she, she uh, talk. We, we just did a um, a zoom with her, and she said, Yes, Julie. And she talked to Desta. She said, Yes, those men came to your house, they interviewed your mother, your father, you, and she remembers all of it like it was yesterday because she, my mom's sister, did and they I,
0: identify themselves as from any some type of organization?
1: I do remember them giving us a card, and I. We don't. I don't know whatever happened to that card. I don't ever remember whatever happened to them, but I don't understand why I don't remember that part. I remember them coming, knocking on the door, coming in. This is God's honest truth, but I don't remember anything after that. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I left that part out of my book because what am I going to write about? Yeah, they came to the door, they came in, and there's no really nothing to write about. But I probably should have put that in there.
0: So. I might oh, write right. it in the book. <laughs> that is that is interesting. It so is. Uh, so Mufon had this and Kufos, they both knew about it. And how did yes. you know how to contact them? Because I'm thinking 1982. Who gave you the advice to contact? Do you remember Mufon or Kufos?
1: Well, when we had the sighting and we had these pieces, um, let's see the paper. Uh, Joseph Tui from the paper. Actually, we didn't even call the newspaper. The newspaper called us because they were sighting up, um on um, Bald Eagle Lake. So I know Joseph Tui, and, and he's now passed away too, but he came over to our house, and he took pictures and interviewed my mother and I and all that. Um, shortly after, KUFOs came, Robert Engberg, and I don't know how he got there, who sent him, maybe when we called the police or maybe when we called the university of minnesota how we got um hooked up with robert i don't know but obviously you know robert was there because he took my piece and he gave me back the letter of transmittal and he's on my mother's letter that she wrote so so how did robert from kufo's mufan uh come into this picture i i can't answer that but mm-hmm. obviously obviously the word was out there you know you're talking 1982. So, I mean, I've got a pretty good memory, but I can't remember all the little details.
0: No, I know if you tried, if I tried to think of things back then, it would be really tough. Uh, Although, you know, something like that in your life is something you remember a lot of details about when Um, something major like that. Can I
1: interrupt? Magic Cheese Cube (laughs) says, why not open a GoFundMe and let ufologists who are generally interested to pay for this testing? It's funny that you say that uh, because I just did a podcast too with uh, Billy and Suzanne, and we're talking, they brought that up. They said, Julie, we need to do a GoFundMe page. And so I'm answering your question um, that that was brought up, and that would be a good idea. It really would be, because I'm willing to put this out there for everybody to know what it is. And like I said, is it from extraterrestrial? Is it from the government? I mean, it's either or. But I know what I saw. I, that was not from, to me, that was not government. I, I, there's no way. I mean, but who knows? I mean, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, not, not to sound too conspiratorial, but if it were me, if I owned that equipment, if I owned that material <clears throat> and I wanted to have it tested, I would just simply say I would like to have this piece tested for materials and not give any details about it. Just because, you know if you start saying it could be extraterrestrial, just let them make their analysis. But also um, it seems to be that a few people have tried to do this in the past and materials end up missing, you know, kind of like yours. That's my fear. So so I wouldn't even mention, you know, I would maybe have a a friend, um, you know, Uh, bring it to a place and and, and all that stuff and just cover your bases. That's all I'm saying. Right. And I want to make sure that
1: whoever is testing this is credible. I mean, I don't want them breaking it up. And you know what I mean? I'm sure you could get some debris or ashes or whatever from it. Or even my other pieces that I have, I would be willing to part with those first because it's the same thing Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: see what those are because those are a little more, um, you know, they're burnt all the way through and they're charred. So, yeah, I would. Yeah. So I have plenty to, you know, get tested, but I just got to make sure that it goes into the right hands.
0: That's right. Right. And um, this person wants to know, did you have any subsequent sightings or events of high strangeness in your life?
1: Yes, I did. Um, In my book, Dark Secrets and Hidden Lies, I started journaling and writing because I was talking about my horrific upbringing, uh, very neglected, rejected Upbring. It was horrible. And so when I was eight years old and my parents were up at the local bar, my brother and I, um, we were on the bottom bunk and I don't know who was up on the top bunk. And we, we lived in a two bedroom shack. Literally. We lived in a very, very So
0: this is this is prior to 1982. Yeah,
1: This, this, yeah, this is like in 19, well, I was eight years old. So it was 1972 or so. But I was, uh, it was in the evening and I was on the bottom bunk next to the wall and I was singing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star and my brother put his hand over my mouth. He like quickly put his hand over my mouth and he said, look, and I looked and in the entryway of our bedroom, there was this uh, small creature about four feet tall um, standing there. And I know it wasn't human. And um, when I was uh, t- talking with MUFON, they said, Julie, did you ever see, have any uh, unusual things that happened to you? And Bill McNeff, I don't know if you know Bill McNeff from MUFON? Bill no. McNeff. In fact, I have our email. It's in the book. Bill asked me, and I I, I asked Bill, I said, can I put this in, in the book? Because, you know, you can't have, you have your copyright stuff. And he said, Julie, could you draw me a picture of what you remember at eight years old? So I is did. right here? I, that's what I drew. And I couldn't, because I'm laying on the bottom of the bunk, so I couldn't see past the waist. You know, I didn't see the legs uh-huh. because I'm laying down. And this thing is standing in our entryway. So um, Bill, he said, oh, my God, Julie. He said, you didn't draw an alien. And I said, no, I didn't see an alien. I just I saw a little creature and he oh gosh do you is have this right here yes yeah. so uh Bill says Julie give me a second so then he sends me this an email and this is from 1969 that two military guys they experienced this and he said you're giving me Bill says you're giving me goosebumps because it looks like exactly what you drew and I said when I looked at that I said Bill The picture that Bill just, you know, that you just had up, that was more what I saw than my own drawing. How can that be? That Hmm. the same, you know what I mean? It's eerie. It is just mind blowing. But that's, yeah. And it just stood there. And my brother put his, uh, the blanket over his head and I locked eyes with it. It had black, shiny eyes and I locked eyes with it. And I can't, it was like, it was a magnet. And this went on for maybe a minute or so. And then I opened and closed my eyes a few times and it was gone. So I don't know what that was. Wow. And it when's came. The, yeah.
0: When's the last time you spoke to your brother about that?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, well, he lives in Missouri somewhere. I'm not really close with him right now. He's. But did half.
0: he remember this through oh, the years oh, when you did oh. speak with him?
1: Yes, absolutely. He even told... Um, One of my friends, Mike, that lived in our town, he actually sent me uh, a text message saying that, you know, Ron told me all about this, Julie. He goes, I believe you. Yeah. So absolutely that happened.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: like Bill said, you didn't tell
0: So this, this happened, uh, prior and, you know, I mean, there was no UFO connection or anything to that was just like, you saw this, this being, but, um, So anything has anything happened since that's what the last question was, but I mean, has anything, uh, happened since this has happened? 1982.
1: Well, I am, I am no, not, 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 not anything big to tell you about, but I am now sky watching and I have never done that. And I have uh, a video of two unusual things and I've shared it with some reputable people and they're like, yeah, that's really cool. It, yeah so i'm doing that now i'm going out and i'm well i have a perfect spot i live in northern minnesota i'm on a lake i mean we just had the northern lights the other night
0: oh wow beautiful (laughs) you
1: know so i have a lot of beautiful um and you know another thing too i want to tell you uh marvin or martin my book dark secrets hidden lies do you see the street light yeah and then I designed this cover, and that's me underneath the streetlight. Okay, yeah, you got it there. Yeah. And that UFO was shining down on me. I actually, we saw that when I was in the house looking out the window. But I told you I had a huff, rough, uh, very rough upbringing, and so yeah. my book, the dark secrets and hidden lies. When Roland would come home from the bar and throw me out of the house in the middle of the night as a young child, young person, I would go sit underneath that streetlight, and that's the same place where the UFO came. Hmm. It was under, and that was like my safe spot beneath the blanket of the stars underneath the street light. But that was my wow. safe spot, and that's where. So I think it just kind of all mirrors and connects.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. they're getting to the light, the color of the light. Mm-hmm. It's not totally unheard of. As a matter of fact, I was I was taking a, a flight on a commercial flight. And the guy next to me uh, was a pilot for American Airlines, and we he was deadheading. And we had a discussion that um, um, I asked him if he heard anything. So this is right after uh, December of 2017, when the New York Times article came out about the Pentagon and UFOs. And so I asked him um, if he happened to catch that. I don't know exactly. I think it had to do with he was saying he was a Navy pilot and uh so he said no he did not he did not catch it but ufo was a real and i said oh tell me tell me why you're saying that and so he was uh flying i think uh either an f16 or something like that um and for about 300 miles he was tailed by a bright green object that lit up the entire cockpit and it was uh he said it was a it was just a really bright green and it followed him for Um, I think he said about 300 miles, which is, which is very interesting. Yeah. So so you do hear, you don't hear it a lot, but green is one of the things people talk about green orbs. I've never heard anyone talk about a a green cigar shaped item, but would you say that this um, had an overall green hue to it or was it shining out green lights?
1: No, it was not shining out any green flashing lights. It was just green, bright, and it just, it had like a, um, so, you know, like the actual light had, what did you say? Like a aura around it?
0: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it had, kind of like that. It had like a little, like a uh, a light around
0: it. That's kind of what I have to say. That's kind of what I saw. Yeah. I had a sighting back in 2007. And it was a disc-shaped object, but it had a, glue, a blue glow all the way around it. It didn't have any lights, but it was uh, it was sort of twilight at the time. But this thing had a; it wasn't really extremely bright or anything, but it had a blue glow all the way around it, but no lights emanating, you know, off of it.
1: Nothing, nothing flashing. I looked in there. I wanted to see if there was anything like dark in that light, you know, like if there, if you could just cuz you know you're looking out the window and you're watching this and it's even with you with the street light and i i couldn't make anything out in that light at all and isn't it weird that uh i shouldn't say use the word weird but um for a light like that to shoot out fireballs it just yeah, doesn't i have never
0: heard i don't it, think i've ever heard anything like that ever from anyone so far i know
1: i mean yeah. and it was it and that's exactly what happened and and i don't like you said i don't I don't even understand it. How can a light shoot out fireballs and then, you know, leave these debris in the snow? It was, it's just something that I got to witness. And I feel like it was a gift. Um, I really do with me and my mother, what we went through with, with all the trauma. And then Roland, you know, the, the timing of him, they're going through the divorce and he was leaving to my mother and I, it was like finality. It was just like, yeah, this, you know, I, it, it was a, to us. It was a sign. And we all, her and I talked about that. We said it was a sign,
0: Do you uh, do you believe that you have complete memory of it or do you think that there's any missing pieces that you'd like to recover, say, in hypnotherapy or something like that?
1: Here's you know, I've always said this, too, and I've told this to Paula. Okay, so this happened at midnight. We went up to bed about because I know uh, uh, we watched a movie. There's no way an hour and a half went by. And there's no to me that happened, you know, happening at midnight. And I know, to me, I feel like that's the time part. Like, I think 12 o'clock came too fast. That's how I always felt. My mom felt that way too. And so I don't know, who knows. But it's just something that I, it's on in, in the back of my head that I, I always did believe that, that this happened at like 10, 15, 1030 or whatever. I mean, how did 12 o'clock come that quick? I mean, I couldn't even believe when that happened that it was after midnight to me.
0: Well, yeah, this is just someone complimenting you. Yeah. That they bought your book and yes. uh, your strength is extraordinary and all that. So, uh, yeah, I believe that, you know, it wouldn't hurt. You know, there, I'm sure you've heard if you've been paying attention to a lot of people talking about having sightings, that there's a time issue. A lot of times there's a time issue, whether it's missing time, time dilation, or I don't even know, you know, there is a, there is a time element. Uh, there seems to be with a lot of UFO sightings. And sometimes people will say something like, geez, you know, the next thing, I mean, I, I spoke to someone on the phone recently that had quite a sighting. I'm probably going to try to get him on the show, um, in New Mexico. And, uh, he's probably going to listen to the show and, and, uh, and uh get back in touch with me but he uh had this weird very very unusual sighting that started out looking like an animal type of thing and then it shape-shifted and everything else it's really bizarre and then all of a sudden it's you know like three o'clock in the morning and they have no idea what happened so uh there there seems to be a, a lot of times that people are talking about this and i don't think it would hurt you to you know look into it a little more as far as uh, hypnotherapy or something.
1: Right. And the clarity of it, I mean, so where our house was up on that little hill, there's no houses in front of us. There's no houses on the side of us, but there was a house behind us. So now we have, you're looking out, you have all these ponds in front of you and you have a lake on your right hand side. Oh, and another thing, which I thought was unusual is there was a sighting the same night as mine. And you, you just had that up and it said uh, February 10th, 1982, uh, UFO underwater. That's not for me. That's not our, my, mine's already recorded, my sighting. But there was another one from February 10th, Willerney. Come on, my little town of Willerney, that there was uh, somebody reported a UFO underwater.
0: Underwater.
1: Underwater.
0: Now, how, That in and February, though, that's, that's in the ice, the lakes are iced over.
1: Yes. So, but it's the report that UFO Cat had. Um, I, I think it, I thought I gave it to you, but it's in my book. So where did that? Oh, come I from? do.
0: I do believe you did. Uh, I just I didn't. That just didn't get uploaded. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's very strange uh, to be underwater. Uh,
1: Another Yeah, report. I know. And do you oh see, yes,
0: I saw that. Yeah.
1: No, this one. This is crazy, but this is. Um, Back then in 1982, we had Northwestern Bell, right? Ma Bell. Yeah. And my mother saved this, and this is us. Uh, it says, save this Northwestern Bell from March uh, or, uh 1982, searching for a report of whatever became of the full intact ring. Where, where was it? What happened to the piece? We never got back. But we saved, this is us calling coupos in Chicago, Illinois, Mm -hmm. My mother saved that because she had everything like in a little photo album. She was so proud. Yeah. She did
0: save everything. Yeah.
1: She's passed away now, but I mean, I hope she knows that I wrote the book because, and I believe she does, and I believe she was with me when I wrote it. But I mean, it was for something this majestic to happen and then just have your pieces, you know, disappear. And the whole story just gone, but now it's, it's been rekindled and I'm. Well,
0: I'd like to stay in touch with you and follow up about this material because I think it's important to at least have it put in the right hands. And I, I, I still think that uh, Gary Nolan would be a good start and I'm going to reach out to him and uh, also send him a link to this video and, and the pictures and things like that. And uh, we have just a couple of minutes uh, left. So I guess what I'd like to ask you is uh, how, do, where do you go from here on this is just besides having the material looked at, um, are you going to try to keep this story kindled until that gets answered?
1: I am like, I, I like, I like doing the podcast and getting the word out there and um, my little town of Willerney, they just had a, uh, it was so cute. And I found this out after the fact, but they just had a little alien party.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> but, but I said, you did. And then um I guess the old uh folks that come in there in the morning, the uh they're reading my book to them when they come in and have their coffee. So uh Oh really?
0: Yeah well, that's and nice. then, yeah,
1: yeah. And then my my uh, brother-in-law was um he has a pizza business. And anyway, a guy came out from a real estate realtor office and he goes, Hey, is your last name Olson? Because I'm reading this Julie Olson's book right now, and he goes, And I see your you know, the last name on the the truck, the pizza truck. And my brother-in-law's like, Oh my gosh, your, your name is getting out there. He's like, I might have to start taking the side streets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank but you yeah. so much, Julie. And I'm going to put all these things in the, the show notes, as I mentioned to anyone that's listening to the audio and uh, I'm going to be following up with you. And I will also, if there's ever an answer to this material uh, we'll talk again and get this out there.
1: Okay. That sounds great. All right. So, Yep. Okay. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Thank you. All you bet. Right. Right. Thank bye you bye very bye. much.
0: Okay. Bye. bye now. All right, everyone. So next week I'll be back with Sam Marancho. Thank you all for watching or listening to the show tonight and we'll see you next week. Remember to keep your eyes to the sky.